be intimate to 30 people. Yes? Mm -hmm. Why is that? When they the 30 people, the idea of the person is based on uniqueness, yet something that's read out of a book has an intimacy for everyone who reads it because we suffer from the same condition, yes? Right. Obviously. And right. we're getting relief from the same condition. Right. Yeah, these are the hints that tell you something. <laughs> I mean, literally, how can, how can you hold the idea that these are your thoughts when so many other people have them? Yeah. Yeah, it's, the evidence is obvious. You run into it all the time, but where the understanding that we travel with makes us blind to the recognition of its failure. Yeah. So the, mm -hmm. we rely on a system that's unreliable. So it works really hard. It's sort of like Budweiser. They never change <laughs> the beer. They just change the fucking bottles, <laughs> all the cans, but they never change the product. It's the so same. Right. Shit. So the same way with the head. It just wants, oh, yes, you can stand on your right foot and enter that way or stand on your left foot. And it's just the same old, same old. Yeah, so why everyone thinks, oh, the, the, the meeting was completely, you know, directed at me. It's true. Unique. <laughs> it's true because we're suffering from a, the same thing and the relief looks the same when you get relief from that thing that we're suffering from. Yeah. Yeah, because it doesn't have an infinite amount of traits. It has a certain finite set of traits. And when it's when it leaves the scene of the crime, it leaves its footprint. It leaves its <laughs> fingerprints. You just have to fucking read it correctly. Yeah, instead of calling it you every time, it's <laughs> concerning. Yes? Yes. I mean, the difference of it being you or not you is incredible. Because if it's you, there's going to be a lot of blind spots around it. Yeah? There's going to be a lot of unknown defending it. When it's not you, you can do a fearless and thorough inventory, just like you do on other people all day. If it's not you, you can do a fearless and thorough inventory. If it's you, you're not going to do a thorough and, uh, and fearless inventory because you don't want to know a lot of shit about you. <laughs> you don't because it would be unbearable seemingly. Yeah. So basically we avoid it, disassociate, do all these coping mechanisms to make something that's not okay be okay. Yeah. It's a dead horse. Get off it. Yes. <laughs> it is. If you keep if you keep believing it's you, you're gonna keep resuscitating it. You're gonna give it blood. You're gonna fucking, you know, fit your life around it. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's what made so much sense. I remember you said, it was about five years ago, you said that, you know, I don't identify with people at the podium. I identify with the condition that's driving them. Yes, of course. I don't, the identification with people is, is they have two legs and two arms, <laughs> two eyes and some fucking either bald or hairy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yeah. And the thing is, I used to love circus speakers, but mostly it was entertainment. There was no understanding being put yeah. out. 
it's just entertainment. We did, there were great comics and you laughed a lot, which is great. But laughing can go only so far if you go back into the same condition again. So I feel like I was looking for an education, so to speak, also. I needed to be educated about what had defeated me because it was going to defeat me again. I needed an education. Yeah. And so I feel you can look at the book from a, with a lot of different views, and one of them can be that. Why is it that the person who is extremely self-centered self doesn't think so? That seems pretty interesting, eh? <laughs> someone who's seemingly captured by extreme self-centeredness, it doesn't think so. That's the defense of the system. Yeah. Found yeah. out. Yeah? You're the last one to know. How many people with an extreme terminal illness as active addiction and alcoholism are the last ones to know? <laughs> they have, you have to realize there's something blinding us, yes. something that has taken us over, and it needs us to be somewhat unconscious to continue to keep taking us over. It doesn't want us to look at your our role in things because you'll see its role in things. This is what I came, this is the conclusion I came to. There were so many clues, and then it finally made sense. Why is it that I love to take people's inventories, but it'll take me months to do my inventory? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like pulling teeth. <laughs> I, I, have you done the inventory yet? No, I'm going to work on it Sunday between one and two. <laughs> yes, it's on it. But I walk into a room, the head does an inventory in every per person that I see. Like that. <laughs> and then you promise someone's going to sit and listen to your shit for five hours? I can't believe that you would... <laughs> oh, you did that's what you wanted from a person on a bar stool next to you. You wanted them to listen to your shit. Now you have an option and, oh, it's going to take me months to do the inventory. There's something blocking shit. Yes. There's a self-will that's overriding our will. That's why we need the higher powers will to step in. Yeah. Because the higher powers will has our best interest at heart. The self-will does not. It has its own best interest at heart. This is the difference. You're going to be driven. Yeah? You are. Yeah? And because we're sentient as this seeming car, we can pick up the attributes or the qualities of the driver by being driven by them. Yeah? Yes. Mm. Jesus Christ. So... There's got to be some pointing and, oh, well, this doesn't matter as long as I do what I do and stay sober. Yes, but then you could be captured by the past in this present moment because you've been convicted as the doer of shit that you did not do. You were compelled to do or decisions based on self did it or you were driven by a hundred forms of something. You are not the driver, especially in the past. And yet you're, you're fucking still ducking all the tickets you picked up. You still fucking got a, a warrant for your arrest because you haven't gone to court because you don't want to face up to the unbearability of it. Yes, the truck, the car that drove the robbers to the bank did not rob the bank. It did not rob the bank. It didn't. So 
I feel this is the one of the many important things that motivates me is to, to really have relief from the past by not shutting the door on it or not trying to forget it. Yeah. But seeing it in a different light. Right. Yeah. Because if I was so unique, the doer of it, it sure seems like a lot of people are just as unique as I am because they did the same fucking thing that I did. They thought the same, they felt the same, and they acted out the same. I think there's some commonality that we're missing that's quite important to see. <laughs> I do. I'm just tired of, yeah, just, yeah. You, you being the doer in this thing brings a lot of bad consequences. <laughs> you're, you're betrothed to the past, yeah? You're wedded to the past. Yeah. So a lot of you now is occupied by the past. This is why you may not be feeling a zest for living because you're sort of dead. Yeah. The, the verbing of living has been replaced by a noun of the past. Yeah. And then it's like, it's like moving a block in water. If you just, change the the temperature of the water it will flow yes mm. but you want to take this iceberg and walk it with you through what you know <laughs> yeah it is i'm just tired of seeing it a lot <laughs> well, the whole self-pity morbid reflection you know and all that existential crisis of unworthiness and all that crap that's coming from just the narrative and the conditioning, right? I mean, it's not, it's yeah. the whole thing. It's well, look the at thing. a dog, look at a dog, the dog shits and then goes back and smells it. This is what the head does. <laughs> the head shits in our life and then goes back and smells it all the fucking day. <laughs> Seriously, it's intrigued by going over, why did I do, should I, bah, 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 bah. and it doesn't, it gets you, either you do, and you should have, or you don't do, and you should have. It gets you going both ways, in and out. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like having a toll at the bridge, in and out. Like, they won't do that. When you go over the Golden Gate Bridge, there's only one way you pay. You don't pay both ways. The head has you paying both fucking ways. I mean, it's incredible. The toll it's exacting. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's got you going this way and got you coming back this way. <laughs> it's incredible. Oh, uh, yeah. So, yeah. So what's the reading? Let's go. Sorry, I got right. in there. With oh, that's all right. Um, let me uh, let me bring up the little format. Uh, welcome, everybody. Um, my name's Kurt Zimmerman. <clears throat> I'm an alcoholic. We're glad that you're here. Just a few things for uh, before we start. This is not an AA meeting. It's a Paul H's reflections on the exact nature of the wrong, described on page 64 of the AA Big Book, and the solution found in the 12 steps. The meeting is being recorded and it'll be on YouTube later. Also, please remember that this is not an all-share meeting. Rather, it's a question and answers for Paul H's take on the steps in the reading. Uh, for details on Paul's events, a story under arrest, books, these uh, t-shirts, past videos, check out his website, zenbitchlab.com. 
So to get things underway, <clears throat> I've selected a passage from some A literature to read, and then I'll hand it over to Paul. We can uh, let him rip on that. So the other, uh, you know, just on what you were saying, Paul, was, um, I mean, it was the whole emphasis for our actor rather than my actor, you know, like we, and or that thing I always yeah. said, like the self-imposed crisis, not a crisis I caused, the imposition of this condition I couldn't get rid of, drinking, making enough money, whatever, right? So I'm going to read, uh, we're going to jump ahead on page 84, and uh, this is right in the middle of the page. It's uh, This thought brings us to step 10, <clears throat> which suggests we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. We vigorously commenced this way of living as we cleaned up the past. We've entered the world of the spirit. Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. This is not an overnight matter. It should continue for a lifetime. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. When these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. We discuss them with someone immediately and make amends quickly if we've harmed anyone. Then we can resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Love and tolerance of others is our code. And we've ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. For by this time, sanity will have returned. We will seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, we recoil from it as from a hot flame. We react sanely and normally, and we find that this happens automatically. We will see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. That's the miracle of it. We are not fighting it, neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We haven't even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. We are neither cocky nor afraid. That is our experience. That is how we react so long as we keep in a fit spiritual condition. And that's the reading, Paul. Great. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. You can see it in a lot of ways. If you see it as the the target of the AA program, it's to uh, restore us to sanity concerning the insanity that precedes the first drink. So, yeah, and this is where the abstinence is. This is where the true relief is. You're relieved from the insanity in the head that would lead you to drink. Yeah. So basically, obviously, the drinking isn't the problem in a sense. It's the insanity in the head that we have a big blind spot that no matter how much evidence to the contrary, we believe that drinking may work in this moment or something or doing this or doing that. Yeah, it's a it's an aberration that has caused a lot of havoc in many of our lives. And AA's purpose in a lot of ways, one of them is to restore us to sanity concerning the, this insanity that precedes the first drink. Yeah. 
Now, there may be a lot, you may be insane in a lot of other ideas or levels, but that's not what they're promising. They're promising this, that if you do what we do and go where we go and have a spiritual awakening, this spiritual condition that isn't produced, but you become aware of, yeah, it will be sufficient enough to keep you sane concerning the first drink. And you don't give a shit about the other insanities as much, yeah? Yeah. So this is one of the points. And so I feel the AA has gone way beyond its its statement of uh, effect. Yeah. It's a statement of effect is if you do this, you're going to be restored. And there's been a lot of people now may have lost that restoration but they were restored for a week a month six months nine months and maybe a year five years they may go back out but they have experienced being restored to sanity for a certain period of time that's what brought me to step step two i was restored to sanity for eight weeks and i came to believe that something great in myself could do for me what i couldn't do for myself which was stay sober for one day yeah so I, I observed that I had been restored to sanity concerning that insanity because I hadn't drank in eight weeks, yeah? So I, be, I came to believe, which means uh, you're already in that condition. I came to believe that something greater than me could do something I can't do. And that really ripened the, uh, the fruit of the third step, yes? And so, yeah, and because of my own evidence in my own life that... Uh, my head's trying to manage it was the essence of unmanageability. I was clear about that because I had been put into other people's controls many times, some for a long length of time, like two years, where people basically ran my life for me for two years. And when I reviewed how they ran my life, I didn't like them, but I had to admit my life looked better with them running it than with when it with me running it yeah so it's very clear of the failure of something and uh so aa has done that yeah and it says it's incredible uh the dilemma about continuing to take inventory for years it can start being an expression of self-centeredness in some ways yeah i have worked with people who I had to actually suggest to them that they should stop taking inventory because they were going over everything through into the minutia. And it was really just, I felt a form of obsession with self. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes you the your great relief is you're not checking in on it as much. Yeah. And now I do inventories, but rarely because I don't have resentment much or resentment doesn't have me and I, I do not see most of the mental anxiety as fear i see it as mental anxiety yeah and it comes and goes if you don't listen to it yeah so basically but if something triggers in me and it does twinge or something happens i work with some people and i just talk to them and usually i don't have to make an amend because i don't do anything on it yeah which is the beauty of step six and seven, it really frees you from step eight and nine. So before you do something stupid, you take that suggestion, that false evidence, you bring it to six and seven, and you know, 
that beautiful recycling will take out the gold in there and and get rid of the refuse, yeah? Yeah, so a lot of times I never get to eight, nine anymore, which is great. Yeah, <laughs> truly, I feel. And then 10, again, I don't take written inventories much anymore. I don't. Because I feel like I've been relieved of it. And that which I would have to keep an eye on, I don't really have to keep an eye on much in a way. Yeah, I have a great faith that it has been subdued by something greater than it. Yeah. So, yeah. And then the idea of step 11, I don't believe is becoming great at prayer and meditation. It's to improve one's conscious contact. Yeah. And sometimes uh, certain people aren't meant to sit down quietly. Their heads are too active. So maybe they, and but they love going to the beach or going to nature. They're just suggesting two ways to improve the conscious contact. They're not the only ways to improve the conscious contact, obviously. They couldn't have, it would have been a huge fucking chapter to put all the ways you can improve the conscious contact, especially when you're awake to it, yeah? You're awake to, your awakeness to it is the improving of it, really. Yeah, I mean... Uh, through use you're improving it yeah when it's unsuspected it's not getting improved yeah because it's unsuspected but when you start suspecting it just just the entertaining it shows its largeness yeah i feel so let me go through this a second so so obviously we've done step eight and nine, and we're now we're going to do step 10 and keep looking uh, for what that which has defeated us, the manifestations of self, yeah? And I hope you have an understanding that self is foreign to you. It's common to us as what has defeated to us, defeated us, but it's foreign to us. It's not us, yeah? But it's common to us. We've all suffered from it but it's not us. I think it taken to be us is what keeps the door open for its defeat, literally. Uh, and if you keep calling its manifestations yours, knowing it or not, you're pledging the idea that you're in the act of being identified as it. So I feel it's important to get clear that resentment is not a manifestation of you in your own life. It's a manifestation of self in your life. That's quite different. Quite different. And we don't, we're not looking at me in the inventory. I don't see it that way. I see we're looking at how self has defeated us so that that can be prevented, yeah, by the program and by the higher power, basically. The program is just what we do. What does us is the higher power. We do the steps, but what does us isn't the steps, it's the higher power, yeah? We access that power, yeah. So, uh, and these are only on opinions of a 35-year member. And at that, at that point, opinions matter. It's not just experience, strength, and hope. It's also opinions, yeah. yeah. So... Then we go into that lovely stuff that uh, we have ceased fighting anything or anyone. Now that's an effect that we observe. Yes, we didn't do that, did we? Right. It's an we effect. did not. 
we did not manufacture our own superpower, but it's a superpower affecting us and we observe it, yeah? And we observe a condition that's unbelievable if you're an active addict or were addict and alcoholic, which is you cease fighting anyone or anything, even the drug or the alcohol. Wow, that's incredible. What a solution, eh? Or at, by this time, and this time is around, obviously, nine after you do the amends and stuff like that, yes? So the, the process of waking up to the spiritual awakeness has gotten to such a point that these are the effects it's producing at this point, yeah? So you seem to have very little to do with this, these effects. You're just observing something's working on you. And it's so obvious where he says uh, that you'll see that this shit happened uh, without any thought or effort on your part. Wow, that's incredible. Where we, we see everything as thought and effort as our part. But in our own recovery, our thought and effort isn't the main, the main mover, is it? No. It seems to be disguised in the beginning, but near it goes in, it's just naked. That something's doing for you what you couldn't do for yourself. So you're being done by and you observe it. So now you observe that the problem doesn't exist for you more. What an incredible observation, yeah? Because when we were out there, did you really want to observe that you were fucked? No, you really didn't. There was a lot of denying and fucking trying to keep myself comatose because the last thing I wanted to observe was my, con my contemporary condition. <laughs> but now... We've been freed from all that, all that coping, and now we observe these effects. And of course, it triggers what? Gratitude, honor, empathy for others who suffer from the same thing, wanting to be available and present to be useful to us, ourselves and others, not to get this or get that. That may come, it may not. Who cares in a way? You're going to be taken care of. Yeah, yeah. So... Yes, yeah, so uh, that is our experience. That is how we react as long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. I don't think there's an unfit spiritual condition, to tell you the truth. There may be an unfit mental condition, physical condition, circumstantial condition, but I do not believe there's an unfit spiritual condition. I believe if you lose interest enough in the mental condition, you'll see spirit has no attributes as the mental does. Yeah, it's not, it's not connected, disconnected. It doesn't go here, go there. It just is seemingly always available at all times, right where you are, with no requirements necessary to meet it other than the ones your head makes up. Yeah? <laughs> and when you lose interest in those head makeup requirements, here you are right now yeah, with that which is saving your ass. Not bad. Now you're in good company, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that is the miracle of it. What is the miracle of it? It just comes. That is the miracle of it. What's the miracle of it? It just comes. <laughs> 
Did you did you get you know bring your Ford one fifty and tow it into a into existence? No, it comes like water comes. Yes, uh, we will see that. Or do you have to call water? All you got to do is remove the obstacles or allow something to remove the obstacles. The water is going to flow. Yeah, yeah. It's nature is to go. Yeah, something's holding it back. It could be you. <laughs> so we will find that this has happened automatically. I mean, it's just constantly implying you have nothing to do with it. Yeah. We will see that our new attitude toward liquor, our new one, has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. That is the miracle of it. We are not fighting it, neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we had been placed in a position of neutrality. That is an observation. They observed this, and we observe it. They observed it in 1930-something. We're observing it now. The observation of awakened characters, like we are, is we will see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. We did not earn it. Yes, you did not win the lottery. It just comes. That is the miracle of it. We are not fighting it. Neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we had been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We have not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. Wow. Yeah. It does not exist for us. <laughs> That's incredible. And I truly believe if you want that event to establish, see that it does not exist as us. Yeah. Because I believe it's constant existing for us is based on the identification as it. Yeah. I do. I believe... Why it can exist for us, yes. Why it can exist because it exists as us. Does it exist as us? No. It seems to be existing as us. And this can be cleared up by a simple understanding. Render unto Caesars what Caesars, yeah? Look at the manifestations of something that defeated you and call that something self and stop calling it you. Yeah. And I believe that clarity is going to straighten a lot of your arrows that you've shot and have missed the mark. I do. Yeah. I believe this clarity will deliver the goods. Yeah. So uh, this is not, we are neither cocky nor are we afraid. That is our experience. That is how we react as long as we keep in Fitzgerald's condition. Yeah. Yeah, I really mean, I really believe it means to keep in fit mental condition, which means to have a, a low, a very low level of mentalness, <laughs> not an extreme acute level of mentalness. I do. I believe like St. Francis says, it's in, it's in forgetting self that you're reborn. What would be forgetting self, losing interest in it? Yes. Forgetting self. How can you lose interest in it if it's seen as you? 
If you try to lose interest in it, that's interest in it. Yeah, self can't get out of self. Yeah, you can have one aspect of self realizing the bad aspect of the other self, but they're the, they're two they're two wings of the same fucking moth. <laughs> yeah, you can't the the moth ain't gonna fly with just one wing. You know, it doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't. The relief you can miss you cannot mistake the relief when it hits you. You're relieved of both aspects. Yeah. Yeah. You're relieved of the 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 aspect of you as being observed by looking at what you did and stuff, and then you as the observer. Yeah. And I'll tell you, you look much nicer in the light of higher power than your self-centered view. Oh, way much. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. That's how, that's the opinion of seeing it for 35 years. Yeah. Doesn't matter. It's just we're inviting people to entertain possibilities. Yeah. If it works for you, great. If it doesn't, fine. Yes, it's no threat. It's not, yeah. nothing's going on. You're not going to be disavowing AA if you call self as that which has defeated you. It's in the book. Yeah. Yeah. Just check it out. How can you get relief if all those terrible things that happen in your life, you are cast as the doer of them? I mean, how many mea culpas can you do in a life? How many times can you flagellate yourself for doing those terrible things until you fucking finally realize it wasn't you that did them. Yeah. Something took you over and used you for transportation, basically. Yeah, seriously. And so just a little bit of relief from the past goes a long way. What is a spiritual awakening? It's not a past or future event. It's a momentary uh, condition. You're awake right now. You're awake now. Yeah. The spiritual awakening isn't a fucking an event. It's a condition. You're, you're awake now. You may not be physically, you may be sick or something, you may not be mentally, but spiritually, you're awake. It drives every other possibility. The existence of spirit in us is what makes us seem to be existing. Yeah, it's there uninterrupted, readily available. Yeah, we're in an unfit mental condition that needs to be changed or altered through the program of recovery. Yeah. yeah. And you'll notice that the unfitness of the mental seen to be not you emphasizes the fitness of spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Now you trust something infinite rather than finite self throughout the day. Pretty good. Yeah, because in most cases, we were in the act of trusting finite self most of the fucking day. Right. And then when the shit hit the fan, we prayed, oh, please, God, please, the infinite, help me out. But basically, we were under the bondage of self. Now we're not. We're under the freedom of the higher power. Yeah. Yeah. That's the new habit. We're in the habit of being sober. Yeah. 
Nice. <laughs> yeah. You and sincerely take it, the position, you get established in the position. Yeah. You do not do the establishing. Something does it for you, but you observe you're established in something. Yeah. And you observe that you weren't, you were established in something else, but you sincerely wanted it to be different. That was the third step. And then we do the third step and then we get established in the new condition. Yeah. Yeah. We're still established in the old condition, so we make a sincere statement. You know, I am willing to make a decision to turn my will and my life over, and I'm really hoping for all the help I can get. And that <laughs> sincerity maybe leads us to do what we do in the program, and then we get established in that new position, yes? And then all these new effects occur that we observe. A new power flows in. We feel conscious again. We are now looking at what we can contribute to life, or if we've learned we can life, face life successfully. All this shit starts happening based not on us, but on being in a new condition. Yeah. Stop suffering from what's not happening anymore. Yes, tons of stuff. There's so much, and you don't really keep, you know, paying attention to it. You're just enjoying the freedom, which I feel is the greatest honoring of the gift of freedom is enjoying it, you know, like, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, it's like you said, the effects, you know, like the effects, we don't need to produce gratitude. It's an effect. Yes. It's totally an effect. I mean, there's a, a reverence or a sacredness for life that wasn't there before. It was, it was hidden. And if you have that attitude and it's very selfish and self-centered, I used to do a thing, which is when anything happened that was good, I would say, thank you, God, that was more than enough. Because yeah. obviously I'd always want more. Mm -hmm. So the dog got trained for a couple of years and then I never said it again. Mm -hmm. But for a while it needed new training. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that worked. I, every time something would happen, Good in recovery, I would say, thank you, God. That was more than enough. Yeah, because that wasn't a mental attitude. Right. It wasn't. It had to be counteracted in the yeah. beginning. It did. Right. right. It did, or it would have its way. Yeah, but it didn't, the battle, the battles were many, but the war was won. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's the great news. The war is won. Yeah. 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 So we got a couple of hands here. Yeah. Uh, how about Marjorie first and then Oliver? Hi. Um, I'm trying to get my camera too. Um, so my question is I'm having um, trouble wrapping my head around this, I understand that I am not self and um, that self, you know, was overtaken by something. I'm curious as to what that something is. Um, but also it's kind of like, it reminds me of like inner child work where I first thought like the inner child was like Chucky's bride, but then... <laughs> I came to see it like as a true self and something to like nurture. 
So with lower S self, do you see it as something to accept, to ignore, to, or do you see it as something um, that just diminishes over time? Um, I would like to hear your thoughts on that, please. Yeah, I, I, uh, I just see the idea of self is a foreign uh, activity. Uh, I have, uh, I'm not, I'm not compelled to love it or anything, nor hate it. I just don't feel it's me. Yeah. And that foreignness is enough. And if it is a part of me and it believes it's all of me, it, something needs to correct it. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel the idea of self may be a part of us, but it's acting as if it's all of us. And um, that just won't do. So no, I'm not into, uh, I don't see it as Chucky's bride. I see it sort of, do I hate a snake when I know it's a snake? No, I hate a snake when I think it's something else. And then it finally, it bites me and then I get surprised and I get upset about the snake, but the snake explains itself completely. I'm a snake. Yeah. So I feel, uh, as Jesus said, you can't serve two masters at the same time. So I see that there is, obviously he believed there was two opportunities or two possibilities. And the way we break it down here in recovery is, trusting the finite trusting the infinite instead of the finite self so that's really uh where i look at the change the change is the faith in self has been moved somewhere else yeah i used to listen to the thoughts as if they were a religion now i i hear the thoughts as false evidence most of the time yeah yeah so that's how I look at it. And, uh, but however you look at it, just stay sober and see where it takes you. Yeah. Make a friend of it. Go on trips with it. Love it. Inner child, it, whatever. It doesn't really matter. Just, uh, I hope you get relief with however you're moved to go. This is what works with me. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not trying to make a snake like a service animal or or a companion yeah not saying it's a snake but it's sort of it has a i just uh it feels like it's it's an occupier and i'd rather be occupied by something else yeah yeah so no matter if it pledges to be better or great or be its authentic self or its loving self i don't really care <laughs> I don't, I don't. <laughs> I'm not sending it to college I'm not paying for it for its uh, education <laughs> so I hope that I hope that got my own feelings across yeah thanks Marjorie um, if you want to say something Marjorie say something I don't that's just how I see it today no I mean I appreciate it I'm just um I am trying to just, you know, continue on the journey and see what happens. But yeah. Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah. And more will be revealed. And uh, 
whatever it's seen as, its effects are are going to be really the effect of it is going to be based on interest. So uh, I think it's very healthy if there is a self to have less interest in it. <laughs> Seriously. So, however, however that comes about of all four, I'm just sharing how it works with me. Yeah. 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 All right. Oliver from Berlin. Hello there. Uh, hi, everyone. Hi, Paul. It actually has uh, similarities, my question with Madrid's. Uh, I mean, it has it shares a bit of a content. So, uh, in a, you know, we can feel a lot of guilt and shame if we are, for, if we have done, you know, the inventory step four and five and uh, seen our role in things, but we hadn't seen the self's role. In, in all of that, right? Yes. So, and, you know, there's other consequences that may be other aside of guilt and shame. And what comes to my mind lately is uh, some sort of rationalization that comes to, comes up uh, in, in that moment. That's, it's not like some previous rationalization. Let me just explain what I mean. For instance, you also mentioned that couple of times as uh, you know self trying to see as self as a part of me right so that's one rationalization so I'll kind of live next to it it may uh, overtake me on several occasions and then I'll go back to meeting and it will be okay and uh, the other rationalization might be you know I'm not perfect but there you go progress not perfection I'm going to I don't know I was, yeah. um, you know, uh, I was super bad before, but now I'm so much better. You know, uh, I'm not perfect either. Character defects, you know, they're still there. They used to be the boss, but now they're only sometimes the boss. So uh, sounding relative in that sense, like maybe I I'm talking primarily, let me make that clear about my experience how I literally try to rationalize it at certain point of recovery so first second year yeah. and maybe even sometimes later and uh, it was you know that was mostly the material of trying to actually rationalize the whole thing I had a feeling sometimes that other people were more successful in it and uh, but you know uh, there you go I'm trying and uh, that is to say, I didn't only see it in myself. I literally heard it on, you know, uh, pronounced it on on meetings and stuff. Not this one, honestly. And uh, uh, I, um, yeah. So uh, I, I see that rationalization it can drag on and on, you know, through the life. Potentially, maybe even more harmful and, you know, deconstructive as guilt and shame, which is more easier to spot and therefore easier to deal with. I would say, yeah. So that's kind of, you know, it, yes. it seems to be, a, a, I don't know, I see it as something that, you know, maybe could be addressed or how to even address it or would I just, you know. Uh, well, look at uh, it, I'll, let's just say if some system that is there to deliver certain goods fails at the delivery, it would be filled of with rationalization, excuses, and blame. Yes. 
that someone else stopped me from delivering it. It's only because you're not adept enough to get it that you're not getting it. So to me, all of these activities that we call ours, or some of us will, are the mental activity to disguise the failure of the system that we find ourselves relying on. So if, if let's say a furniture store, you know, sell couches and if they delivered the couch and it looked just like the couch I saw, it was exactly like the pictures presented it, they would need no excuses, rationalization or blame. Yeah. But if they stopped, if I ordered a couch and I bought it and they promised to have it there on Friday and it doesn't show up every time I call them, I'm probably going to hear rationalizations, blames and fucking yes, because they have failed in their delivery. So just looking at what we have been led by the GPS of the head has failed us. Yeah. Yeah. And so all these things, these mental activities I see, they just ring the bell of the, of the disguised note of failure to me. So they have value in that. Yeah. So I see the head trying to rationalize something and it's, uh, it's like someone who's outmatched by a Rubik's cube. It can't figure shit out. Yeah. Because it doesn't want to go to the bottom line that it's failed, that it's not a, it's not a very working system, self-centeredness. Yes, it just isn't. It And if it spreads or gets more interest put into it, it gets more myopic and weirder. It does, yeah? The more interest that it gets, it gets stranger and stranger, yeah? So this is why we have service and shit to get out of this fucking orbit, yeah? And so... In that orbit, you're going to run into asteroids of rationalization, asteroids of excuses and blame to disguise the fact that it can't deliver the goods. Yeah, yeah. I see, I see it as very important to see something has failed and be convinced of it because you in habit will keep going back and put a saddle on the dead horse. Yeah. And then have to rationalize why you're not going anywhere, blame something and yes, or make excuses. The horse is dead. Yeah. <laughs> but I put, I bought this expensive saddle. I know, but the horse is fucking dead. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So. That's how I see it. So rationalization is just an expression of a failed system covering up its failedness, really. Yeah. I do not believe you rationalize. I believe the head rationalizes and you listen to its rationalization and it's it has it has two agendas. One of them is the rationalization and the other one is the bonding mechanism that they're your rationalizations. Yes? That you're, they're your excuses and your blame. This is the bondage of self to me. The bondage of self is an activity. It was not an event. I don't believe it ever happened. I believe it's happening based on we think things are so that aren't so. False evidence, when it appears real, can have seemingly have a real effect. No, yeah. but it, yeah. 
this is all, this is what I was brought to see, the failure of the system that I seem to rely on. Yeah. Now I don't trust this. I don't trust finite self. Yeah, I trust infinite, let's say. Yeah, I don't. I don't trust finite self. I don't trust uh, people. Well, whatever, you know, I just don't. So, so what, can it, what can a failed system show you? It's failed. How is it showing it to you? Rationalization, excuses, and blame. There you go. I don't know if it's failed. Well, you can know by its manifestations. If it's rationalizing, excusing, and blaming, it's failed. Yeah, that's the conclusion I came to. Seems to work. <laughs> Instead of trying to make sense of, of the excuses and the blame and the rationalization, just see they're like, they're like, you know, look over there. <laughs> look up there. You know, look out there, blame them. Yeah, that's yeah, because it's failed. Yes. And to to wit, to admit it's failed is like the death of self, and self won't admit it. Obviously, have you ever seen self admit it? Maybe for a little bit, and then it tries it a new way. I try to get out of self as self through spirituality, through drug addiction, through this, through hiking through fucking going to rei and getting geared up and living you know spend some time in a tent do this and do that fucking i was with my uh uninvited companion all the fucking time <laughs> the best relief i've gotten from it in this trip is seeing it as foreign to me that's the best relief i've gotten not making friends with it but if that works great for me, it wasn't that. It was seeing it as foreign. Look at how much just entertaining the idea that alcohol was a disease brought me great relief. We're just taking it way farther down the road. Yeah. But I remember when I was I was bushwhacked by a, an amend when I was about six months sober, somebody got injured, came. I went to my friend's house, riding, we were riding motorcycles, and I had a girl that I was trying to, to uh, impress, and he already had a girl that he had impressed. And we went back to his apartment. We were walking up the stairs to his apartment, and some lady came walking down, and she had paint on her jeans and shit. And I noticed her, and we, he said hello. He knew her. We go in, and then he forgot something on his bike. He went down, came back, and when he came in, he said, hey, my neighbor wants to talk to you. And I thought he told her I was a house painter and like she was painting her kitchen or something. And I was going to give advice. And so she comes in and says, hello, Paul, do you remember me? I go, no. She says, you owe me $500. <laughs> it was someone had had lived with me. She had gotten bigger, had lived with me when I was out there. And instead of taking her deposit and giving it to the landlord, I took it and spent it. Yeah. <laughs> so there I was caught with my pants down. And did I, I did not feel any guilt or shame because I knew it was a disease and that what I did to her, I would have done to anybody unless you could physically stop me. That was a, a rudimentary understanding, but it brought about relief. It did a lot of relief, not 
skirting accountability, I paid her those $500. And every time I sent her a check, I said, the only reason why you're getting this money is I'm in recovery. <laughs> but I paid her and sit like that. But that event of just getting the idea that this was a disease, it wasn't moral, it wasn't, I'm a bankrupt person, yeah? Gave me a lot of fucking relief. This has just gone farther, that's all. Yeah. That's right. I'm a bankrupt person or, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm you know, getting better, I'm recovering, I'm a, I'm a new recovered self um, is, um, yeah, it can be a form of uh, self-obsessing again, right? Of course, um, but it can also be, it can be something that would really deter you and it won't throw you off track if you just stay sober. So these, these offshoots mm -hmm. won't have the, the effect they used to have because you now have another effect in the mix, which is the grace of recovery. So yeah, you can stumble and bumble yourself into like an incredible high level of sobriety. Yeah, you know, it's, you don't do this thing perfectly. You just keep doing it. Yeah, and then the imperfectness will be taken care of by the grace. Yeah. yeah. Before, if self showed up, it would ruin everything. It constantly shows up and doesn't change the direction of your life anymore. There's been a huge power shift, <laughs> a huge power shift. Yeah, yeah. It would have you never even go into your first meeting. You've passed that already. You went to the meeting. Yeah. And now AA is ruining your drinking. And the self ain't happy about it. It ain't. Yeah. It didn't want you to go to that first meeting. It fucking didn't. It probably told you tons of things. Don't go to that meeting. It's the last place it wants to go. But you've gone. Yes. So basically... It's powerlessness is showing. Just tell the truth about it. It's like the Wizard of Oz you've seen behind the curtain. The explosions don't mean as much anymore because you thought it was a big fucking monstrous dude doing it, and it isn't. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the thing is, I'm a little bit hesitant to uh, um, tell the truth about it in public. You know, tell the truth to, uh, to myself I think that's absolutely necessary, you know, but if I go, you know, if I tell it uh, in public as in AA meeting, of course, uh, it's, it's, it's a bit of a different role, right? And well, it seems like... Well, you don't have to unless you do. Like certain things I needed to say out loud, it was going to be helpful. Other things I've said it quietly to people I know. Yeah you'll figure out what, what's needed or not. I wasn't going to do a, I don't have to do a public mea culpa or something. I'm not that um, important. Yeah. You know, publicly addressing it as, as a problem, you know, because I find it to be actually a huge problem, no matter of how subtle it may appear to be, right? But it's, it's spread absolutely, you know, and... Uh, um, I guess, you know, just addressing it so would make me, especially, you know, me, because I'm I, I'm just having such postures. It's normal for me to be like, it's, you know, I immediately become a preacher. And, um, of course, that's not good. And uh, other than being a shining example of, you know, something else and do service, as you constantly point out, I don't see any other way to actually deal with it, you know. Hey, bro, uh, 
preaching, there's nothing wrong with preaching. Yeah. Now, if well, you didn't think a preacher, but uh, if the notes have been given to you and you're singing them, that's your seat assignment. Yeah. And take the slings and arrows that come. Yeah. Yeah. I never play small in an AA meeting. I don't say much now, but when I was, this was happening to me in the beginning, I was out there, man. I was putting it out because I felt like, uh, what's that guy uh, in the story of the revolution, Paul Revere writing and bringing the news. Yeah. The English are already here. I wasn't saying they were coming. I said, they're already here. And uh, man, I, something was more important to me than my face. I just fucking put myself out there. I could have been a circuit speaker, motherfuckers. I've been defeated. I didn't seem to toe the party line. But no, if that's your seat assignment, you're going to sing just the way it goes and let people, you know what they used to call me? Uh, radical cleric Paul, non-self Paul, fourth step Paul, Buddha Paul. Give me a fucking break. I've been tattooed with so much shit. Yeah. Thank God I never thought I was the preacher. Hmm. Oh, I would have shut up. I would have. But what was, was compelling me to say shit was stronger than you know, saving my face. Yeah. <laughs> Too late now, anyway. Cat's <laughs> out of the bag, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to see people travel lighter. If that can, if this message can help you have a better Thursday, I'm fucking all for it. You don't have to have, doesn't have to be highlighted and written in big letters, just that you travel lighter through whatever, whatever life had in store for you for today is great enough for me. Yeah. Yeah. Really. And I didn't hear it in the, in the, my community. That's why I, I started talking about it. If I would have heard it before, I would have been going to that person's meeting probably, but I never heard anyone. So. We had a call at our meeting. <laughs> really, literally, I would have. I would have listened. I would have gone there and listened. Yeah. <laughs> it just feels like, uh, I don't know. When it hits you, it's so obvious. It's so fucking obvious. Uh, that no matter what meaning the people who wrote the book were giving to self, self can be given a lot of meaning. And to me, its meaning is based on a foreignness, which gives me the possibility of being free from it. Yeah. And it explained why I wasn't free from it, because I was trying to be free as it. It explained my whole life in like a nanosecond. And it yeah, and there I just rested my case ever since that was revealed. Yeah, and yeah. that's so important. You made that you've emphasized that I don't know how many times. It's it's part of, you know, that separation. You you know, and you know, even in the reading where it says continue to watch, I'm always telling people it doesn't say continue to listen. It says continue to watch. 
and when you're watching there's a separation from it when you're listening you're you're it i mean yes yes <laughs> that's right and the old habits of believing you're the doer of whatever happens no matter what that's an old idea and the results are going to be nil unless you let go of these old ideas and the old idea that you're the doer the thinker the feeler, the taste of the toucher, they are some of the oldest fucking ideas. Yeah? Yeah. 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 And you're bound to a past by those ideas. The doer is the stickiest one because whose life would it be if I'm not the one who's doing it all? Yeah? So it questions the whole narrative of the head. Mm. Very, very dangerous to the head. When I've done it, you know, I speak at another level, uh, other things, and anytime over the years I've been doing it, if you, when you brought up personal doership, the whole, you, it would be like a ripple in the group. You could see it. And then people would get like this with their arms and it's be ready for resistance time. And then there's a great statement supposedly from Lord Buddha, which is events happen, deeds are done, yet there is no individual doer thereof. What? Yes. <laughs> Yeah. When you were under the out the sway of alcoholism, events happened and deeds were done, but you were not the individual doer thereof. There's relief. This is not a way of escaping responsibility. You've made all your amends. This is the relief from being responsible for shit you were not responsible for. Yeah. And I think our perception or our understanding of responsibility and how we can implement it in our lives, does that actually make us in the instance, uh, in the end instance, more or less accountable? We need to ask ourselves that question. Maybe, you know, uh, do, do we turn up in uh, taking, uh, you know, just seeing us making ourselves this uh, uh, sort of responsible individual that claims for himself to be responsible. Does that, you know, we can put it to the essay test and see, does that, did it actually made us more or less accountable? You know? yeah. Yes, there's a lot of, uh, well, if you have a minute, we can stay a minute, yes? So let me just share this. This is observation of this life. When I was young, I was, feeling overly responsible. So if I walked in a room and someone coughed, I thought it was because of me, yeah? And I was confronted with a, a big de uh, expression of this condition when my father got very ill and I was about six years old. And my mother tried to talk to me about it and that it was gonna change my relationship to my father. We weren't gonna be playing, throwing ball as much and all this. And even they brought the family doctor, Dr. Jan Quinto, and he told me. And I heard everything and I understood the words, but how I felt was, what did I do to cause my father not to want to play with me? That's exactly what. So that to me is a mutated form of responsibility. I mean, a huge sense of responsibility around things that I had nothing to do with. So I had a drive to become irresponsible. And drinking and using gave me a liberty I did not have as a super responsible person. Yeah. And I, I love that fucking relief. 
So then, therefore, I started becoming completely irresponsible, and it has its own fucking effects. And I get into AA, and I cannot see my role in things. I cannot see it. When I look at Wendy leaving me, I resent Wendy for leaving me. I do not see how her leaving me affected all this stuff in me. And I did definitely did not see my role in it. Yeah, did not see it. Did not see it for the first few months. Then I went to see Joe and Charlie up in Sacramento, these old guys. You can find their stuff on the internet. And Joe and Charlie led a big book seminar. They went all around the world. And they were very, to me, it was incredible. Yeah. And on Saturday morning, I think they got to the fourth step. And they explained the fourth step. And I got it. I got my role in things. Fourth, I went back to my motel room. I did an inventory. Yeah. And I saw the connection between Wendy and me. Yeah. It was awesome. It opened up a, just an unbelievable, unsuspected giant window in my life. Unbelievable. I had great gratitude for Joe and Charlie to this day. And I recommend them quite a lot. Yeah, they gave you a four column inventory, made it very simple, how to arrive at your role in things. Now, what happened? So there I was, super responsible, completely irresponsible, now finally becoming responsible again. And now I run into another wave, which is accountability, which I do not believe is written in our formal program, but it's arrived at through being sober. And that is when I looked at my role in things, I saw something else's role in things. Yeah. And I saw, and I call it what we call it in recovery self. So I saw self had a huge role in my life without knowing it because I didn't want to see my role in my life. And if I don't see my role, I'm not going to see its role because I'm in the act of being identified as it. So in all tents and purposes, I am that and that is me. Yeah. When I saw that division clearly and I saw self as foreign to me, the possibility of being free from it became available. And so it has been. Yeah. And it was impossible when I was in the act of being identified as it. I was trying to be free as it, which is the futility of self trying to get out of self. I can't explain it any better. That's what happened. Happened around the seventh year of sobriety. That view has never changed. And that which is talking through me has told me, do not move on from this because if you don't see this, you're looking from it. If you don't see the act of being identified as self, you're in the act of being identified as self. What? Yes. And I rest my case. Nothing in the next 28 years has changed this opinion. And here we are, same, same. And I'll be here every fucking day. Yeah. Because I'm a true believer in that revelation. I am completely, completely convinced. And I haven't heard anything better. I haven't. Yeah. I don't know how all this shenanigans could happen without us being identified as it. I do not know. I cannot believe that we're living, it's, we're living a guilt and shame that wasn't of our own fucking making. I cannot believe that we 
be a, accept and adapt to that extra weight every moment. I cannot fucking believe it anymore. Cannot. We, I think we have to put our foot down somewhere. Yeah, I do. It just uh, you're carrying so much fucking weight through this moment. Yeah, everything you ever meet, you bring this shit with you. It's a fucking unbelievable. It's 35 years ago. When's the statute of limitation reached? Even in our fucking weird system in America, there's a statute of limitations for most shit. A lot of the shit that I did, I can't be uh, charged anymore because it's been 35 years. So, But what about this in the quarter of the head? You're convicted over and over again from a 40-year-old fucking crime that you didn't even commit? You've been fucking sentenced to something with? It's mind-boggling. If you want to describe the bondage of self, I can't describe it better than that. You're convicted. You're you're in jail, and you're and you didn't do it. Just like we have the great stories where someone's been in jail for thirty years, and they finally let him go because of DNA, and he was mistreated thirty fucking years. He had never he never did the seeming crime. Well, in a sense, it's us getting out of jail just like that. Come out of the dark. Wow. I'm on a, I'm in a Thursday. Fantastic. Not 2000, not 1987. I'm here 2024. <laughs> I'm alive. Yeah. So there you go. To me, it means a whole lot, this message. It does. It's it's like black and white. It's it that's how extreme. And I'm an extreme character, so. Forgive me that I can I embellish and paint it with such stark colors, but that's the nature of this brush, yeah? So whatever's using me, yeah, I try to make it look like it's an evil demon because it's not going to work when you take it as a friend. <laughs> it's going to mislead you. It is. It wants to have a life, and that life is yours. Yeah, it's not going to be a good deal. Yeah. Yeah. I just watched them. Oh, never mind. I don't want to go. But that's it. Thank you. Yeah. I think we got to say goodbye and take off. Eh? Yeah. I used to say the best place for the devil to hide is in the church, Paul. <laughs> oh, yes, for sure. For sure. I mean, you know, Dracula will go on vampire hunts every fucking day. Sign me up. Let's kill those fucking vampires. <laughs> Michael Stacy, as always, thank you. Thank you. One of the big reasons why we're here was our friend who started it all, a character from uh, Australia. And then Michael and uh, Kurt and a lot of people here. Mickey picked it up. Thank you. Yeah, they keep carrying the ball. Carry all these folks. They keep carrying the ball and we have these meetings. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. So, John, nice to see you. Thank Harry. you so much. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. Our pleasure. Harry, as always. Mickey, always. Kurt, always. Oh, we got Alex. We got James in Utah. Martin, Chris B., Roman Mueller, Oliver, upstate Brittany. Wow. 
Joseph, Al in Vegas, Amy in Seattle, Mike M, just a letter C. That's cool. Jeff P down Southern Cal, Penfield, Annette in the East, Jules on vocal, Drew Davula, beautiful name, Rick Rao, or Rowe, friend. Thank you, Rick, for that art. I sent it to Mike. I don't know what we're doing with it, but Paula. Hey, Rick, do I have to do a talk soon? Let me know if I do. I don't know. Just remind me if you can. Next month. You know, a meeting. Yeah. Uh, Mike M., we got that. Paula Fletch. Had the pleasure of meeting Fletch yesterday. Phone number. Uh, yeah, what a rousing uh, meeting, eh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Something must be juiced up, eh? Yeah. Better than uh, Joshua Tree Coffee. <laughs> no acidity, just nice bouquet of aroma and flavor. Adios. <laughs> Thanks, Kurt. Thanks, Paul. Yeah. You guys have a great day. Welcome, man. Thanks, Kurt. See you Thanks, soon, Paul. Kurt. Great meeting. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks Paul. Great Thanks, Kurt. Thank Thanks. you, Michael. <laughs>